This is the Teacher Mindset Coach Podcast, episode number 47. Hey, teachers, welcome to the podcast where we do the hard work to uplevel ourselves and have fun along the way. I'm your host, Ashley Wolf, and I'm here to help you rock your world with mindset stories, strategies, and skills that you've probably never been taught before. Let's do the damn thing. Hello again. So this is part two, lessons from loss, part two. And we have been talking about the lessons that I've learned from my mother's death that happened about a year ago. Um, Today, I'll be talking about relationships and experiencing joy and being able to celebrate even after the death of a loved one. So if you haven't heard part one of this podcast series, I invite you to start at episode number 46, if you are so inclined. My ultimate goal, of course, is to help other people during one of the most challenging times of being alive, dealing with death. So over the last year, since my mother has passed away, I've paid very close attention to my experience. I tell people all the time that I am so thankful for the coaching skills I had when my mom started to get sick and then when she passed on. And these coaching skills were what guided me through that experience at the time of her death. And they continue to guide me and grow and evolve and get stronger up to this point a year later. So for those of you who are going through hard times, I want to let you know from the deepest depths of my heart that you are not alone in this. There are people like me who are ready to help. And most importantly, the ultimate truths that are best for you, best for your life and your experience are already inside you. If you're willing to slow down and listen to yourself with compassion, you will find these truths and they are quite simple. So we left off last episode talking briefly about relationships with those that we have lost, those who have passed on, those whose life has come to a completion. My mother's death has taught me that relationships continue as long as I want them to. Isn't that amazing? Like this is something that's so strong for me. Relationships do not end simply because a person's life has ended. They can continue as long as I want them to. So I've learned over the years that a relationship is not some like third party entity between two people. It's not a person plus a person equals a relationship. It's not three things that can be separated to me. And what I've learned from my coaches is it's the thoughts. A relationship is the thoughts that I have and the beliefs that I have about another person. Those form the foundation of a relationship between me and someone else are the things that I choose to think and believe over and over again. The beliefs that I continue to nourish, the thoughts that I continue to listen to for the good or the bad is a big part of my relationship, if not the only thing about my relationship with another person. I can still have thoughts about my mom. You can still have thoughts about a person who has passed on. Therefore, we can still have relationships with these people. This is what I choose to think. I made it that simple for myself. 
because I wanted to keep thinking about my mom. That's really all it is. Like, I didn't want to stop thinking about my mom. I didn't want to stop asking her questions. And in the, in the days that passed after my mother's death, I did not want to stop asking if she was still with me. And sometimes to this day, I still ask, mom, are you with me? And the simple answer is yes. Now, this was what I was thinking almost all the time right after she passed, because it was comforting to me. I didn't tell myself like, gosh, snap out of it. She's gone. I didn't go down that path because I didn't want to do that to myself. It's going to be different for everyone. And it's part of the continued nourishing of the relationship that I have with my mother. I do believe that we all have this opportunity. My relationship has changed with my mom because she's not physically here with me. I talk to my mom all the time in my head and in my journaling on paper. So my question to you, do you allow yourself to do this with the people who aren't physically in your life anymore, whether they are living or whether they've passed away? Do you allow yourself to talk to them, to ask them questions, and then create the answer? In my experience, which is really all I can speak from, it's been so healing to me because I know that my mom is with me wherever I go. I know my mom knows my mind. She knows my heart. I know I can still share things with her. I can still hear her cheer for me, compliment me, and be proud of me. Yes, there are times when I question whether I'm sane (laughs) or whether I'm losing my mind. But you know, I really do just let that judgment fall away. I love talking with my mom and I do it now more than ever because I can and I want to. And it's almost like part of my daily practice, especially when I see things that um, I'm reminded, like things that remind me of her, such as a hummingbird, um, a picture of her, sparkles on the water, like I, I just, or birds flocking in the sky. Like I'm starting to attach an association with my mom to a lot of things that are still in my physical experience. Um a good hearty belly laugh. Like those things I'm attaching an association with my mom so that she's like always coming up. And I love it that I've done this because it's just another way of me saying, I'm not arguing with the fact that she has died. I'm not making it mean that my life needs to be miserable when I think of her. I'm making it mean that I can still enjoy my life and know that her physical life has ended. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit. So even with someone, and I want to offer you this, someone who has not passed away, you can still have a relationship with them if you so choose. It's as simple as a thought. It's as simple as creating an answer. Because your thoughts cause you to feel, your relationship with someone will come from your nourished thoughts, your practiced thoughts, whether they're positive or negative, useful or not useful, whichever thoughts and stories you are giving attention to in your headspace about another person, those are the foundation, I believe, 
of your relationship with them. And if you want the relationship to change, what do you think needs to change first? It's not them. It's not their behavior. It's not their thinking or their beliefs. It's your thoughts about them. So if you're ready to try this out, think of a person that you miss desperately. Perhaps you don't see them as often as you like. Perhaps their life has come to a completion that they've passed away. Maybe you're not sure if they're living or dead. What would you like to say to them right now? Think it. Think of their face. Then imagine their response back to you. It's probably more simple and straightforward than you think. For me, it sounds like this. Mom, I miss you terribly. And then she says, I miss you too, babe. And it's almost like in my voice answering myself, I I just know that that's what she would say. It really is that simple. It's not long and drawn out. It's not complicated and it's not surprising. It's so simple. And to me, I like to carry on those conversations with my mom, even though it really is all within me. I take ownership of that and it's something that helps me heal. So there's no way to do it right or get it wrong. Let a conversation happen and allow the emotions to come up inside of you. This is also a really great way to introduce the possibility of maybe settling unfinished business or saying unspoken words. The other person isn't required to physically be present in order for you to say what you want to say and imagine their response. You can create any conversation you want, truly. And I would encourage you, if you've never done this before, I would encourage you to just know that this is like an evolutionary process, like having a really immature conversation with someone who perhaps you think has done you wrong and allowing yourself to really be in this victimhood with it and just allowing yourself to throw the biggest tantrum with them saying all the things that you want, knowing that you can grow out of that if you want. Like it's not just a one and done type of thing. If you have unfinished business or, you know, unsettled feelings that you want to confront somebody in your imagination, I know it sounds silly at first perhaps, but you can totally do this and this could be quite cathartic for you. It could be quite healing for you. Simply because... You will allow yourself to say what you want to say. And then you can maybe, once you get that out, and maybe even getting it out on paper could be great. Then you can take a step back and be like, okay, I allowed myself to be really immature about this whole thing, or I allowed myself to just completely unload on this person. And now I'm ready to up level and grow a little bit. And have a more constructive emotional experience instead of kind of swirling around in the victimhood of it, if that's what it is. So if you can set your desired emotional experience as best as you can first, then you might be able to grow and learn 
way more than just spinning in victimhood or immaturity or being the person who's hurt and staying the person who's hurt. So here's an example. If you want to tell someone how you feel or what you think because you want them to apologize to you or you want them to make it right, just notice the way you're approaching the conversation. So perhaps you think that you need the other person to do something in order for you to feel better. And this is where a lot of us might start because this is where we're taught from a very early age. We are taught that other people make us feel good, bad, awful, nothing. Other people make us feel is the lesson that we teach kids. And it's unfortunate because it's not true. Other people can't make us feel. Now, as children, we experience like shock waves from the adults in our life and from the other kids in our life. Like there's no denying that. But it's physically impossible for another person to control the feelings of another. That's what I'm trying to say here. And so if you're still thinking and believing that you need a person to do something or say something in order for you to feel better, please notice that this is where you're at and you're not alone. (laughs) So many of us, just by way of society, grow up thinking that this is the way it's supposed to happen, that you can't feel better about something until someone apologizes, or you can't feel better about something until you are forgiven by another person. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know that my mantra, it's This is an inside job. This life of yours, this life of mine, all an inside job inside our own selves. So the question that you can lead with is, do you want to really, really wait on someone, on someone else to act or change so that you can heal? Most likely not. If we think logically about it. We don't want to wait for someone else to say words for us to feel better. We don't want to wait for someone else to act differently for us to feel better. So if you want to feel empowered after a mental conversation with someone who has maybe done you wrong, you can set the tone first with yourself. I would offer that it's important that you allow yourself to fully feel the way you currently feel. Like I mentioned earlier, say what you want to say to that person who isn't here, then set yourself on the path. It's almost like seeing a fork in the road. Like I could go back down this victim mentality or I could own my own healing. And then you have a choice because you might choose to stay in victim mode for as long as you need to. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Some of us stay in victim mode for decades. But if you stay in victim mode for decades with the knowledge that you can bring yourself out of it, that is also a choice that you can make. So you are in control of your healing and growth, not anyone else. So the last lesson that I've learned from the loss of my mother is don't forget to laugh, smile and celebrate. It was just over two weeks from the time my mom passed away to the time that we had her celebration of life with family and friends. And it was sad, but we made a point to bring her into the room with us through laughter. My mom was a jokester. She was quick witted and she was downright hilarious. 
and I'm pleased to think that she gave some of her humor to me, like through osmosis and through, you know, genes, of course, and just through like literally teaching me how to be funny. So during her celebration of life, the priest brought humor into his eulogy. And at the reception, we told stories and jokes that had everybody in stitches. It was funny, but it was sad. And it was all mixed into one. And it was perfect. There was a time that I distinctly remember thinking of my mom. And this was probably about three weeks after she had passed away. And I just like burst out laughing to myself. I was thinking of a time where she and I were on the phone with each other. And we were making fun of her situation of having to have a colonoscopy. (laughs) Um, She wanted to write a memoir of it called The Chocolate Choo Choo. And like, the reason why I know this is because I actually told her, I was like, okay, mom, I'm going to write all this stuff down. And like, she and I had this little brainstorming session over like, the titles that she would title her memoir of writing a book about her experience of having colon cancer. Um, and like, we just laughed and laughed and laughed. And I remember that conversation distinctly. And it's one of the most cherished moments that I hold on to is one of the last times that my mom was really able to have like a good long belly laugh with me, even as she sat in her hospital bed. And I knew in that moment, and I can recall this so clearly, that I was showing up as the daughter who was supportive, the daughter who helped her experience joy, the daughter who experienced joy with her in that moment, no matter what was going on. And even though this isn't part of my plan for this podcast episode, that is one of the things that the coaching world and being a life coach and being a person who coaches myself helped me do in the moment that my mom was sick was instead of trying to argue with it and fix it and intervene and make things right. I just allowed myself to show up as the daughter who wasn't judging because if I'm being really honest and vulnerable, I had spent a lot of time in my early adult, late teens, early adult life, judging my mother for several different things and reasons. And one of the biggest ones was was her health. And I realized in the moments that my mom was sick, that I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to show up as the daughter who was just there for her. And I'm really proud of myself for being able to do that before she passed away. I didn't judge her. I didn't judge myself. I allowed it, which was her health circumstance, to be exactly what it was without pushing it away or resisting it, or most importantly for me, trying to change everything about it. Because that resistance wouldn't have been useful. It wouldn't have helped anything. And I can say that now with absolute certainty. It would have just made it harder on myself. And so all this to say, there are times now when I am gosh, my son is so excited. He must be going somewhere with daddy (laughs) because he is yelling out about something and I can tell he's excited. So I really don't want to yell out to him that I'm doing my podcast and he needs to be quiet. (laughs) 
So I'm just allowing this blooper to be here, taking a deep breath and just allowing it to be here. So there are times when I try to suppress my laughter or tamp down a smile or deny my current happiness simply because of the fact that my mom has died. But I ultimately don't want to do that to myself. Pushing away my happiness now or my joy in this very moment because of a sad circumstance like a loved one being gone doesn't make sense. But I do this to myself sometimes. We And we, we do this to ourselves because we think we have to feel sad right now instead of experience the happiness that is available to us. We pull ourselves down emotionally in the present. He wants to be a raptor, everyone. That's what he said. He wants to be a raptor, basically wants to be a raptor. (laughs) You know, I'm really, really glad that my son inadvertently is kind of showing me this situation, bringing the joy into a very serious, serious topic such as death. (sighs) Allowing me to sit here and be like, yep. Of course, my eight-year-old is super happy (laughs) to go to the store and buy a new um, dinosaur toy. And I can breathe into that joy. I can feel his excitement. (laughs) I can hear his little excited voice. And it's totally fine. For those of you still hanging on with me on the podcast, thank you. I am not editing this out because it's like real-time self-coaching. The frustration of being interrupted because I'm recording my podcast but I don't want to bring his little joy down, not even a notch. So pushing away happiness or joy in this very moment because of a sad circumstance, like a loved one being lost doesn't make sense, but we do this to ourselves. We pull ourselves down emotionally in the present moment because of a past circumstance that we define as sad. So when I find myself reliving the laughter that my mom brought to me with her humor, I go all in on the pure joy of it. I allow myself to feel it all. I allow myself to laugh out loud and I allow the smiles to come knowing that her physical presence has ended, but the way she can still make me laugh and smile and celebrate my life still carries on within me. And that will never die. So how can you still celebrate your loved ones who have passed on? What memories do you have that fill you with light, joy, or make you laugh your ass off? Are you ready to relive those on the regular to nourish the relationship that you have with that person still? And what do you make it mean that you are enjoying your life in the present moment even with them gone physically. I think that one's really important because what you make it mean matters. It matters greatly. What you make it mean is your life experience. And what you make it mean is how you relate to not only the ones who have died, but how you relate to yourself as well. The depth of our grief, and I know some of you have heard this, and I'm I'm really glad that this is becoming more common. The depth of our grief, our sadness, and our devastation in the loss of a loved one is a direct reflection of the love, the passion, 
and the connection that we had with them during their physical presence on earth. That connection does not have to end or even be frozen in time. It lives on and continues to flourish through you. And one more thing that I think I I forgot to add in my episode 46 from last week was that I got coaching on um, a conversation that I was having with my mother and with about grief, not with my mother, excuse me, about the grief of uh, my mother's passing. And this coach who had experienced grief herself had offered me something very interesting as far as a way to define or a way to describe uh, grief. She described it as a pinball machine. This was so cool. She goes, yeah, you know, I sometimes I, I compare grief to a pinball machine where there's a silver ball and it's called grief. And there's a huge board with all these little areas that light up sometimes when the ball hits it. And I never truly know where the ball is going to bounce. So like maybe I have a a place that illuminates where I'm really feeling sadness. And that's the part of grief that I'm really feeling. And then the the ball of grief drops and then I kick it back up and then it it just bounces off to um, the part where I'm angry. And then it goes down and drops down into the retaliation or the frustration or the despair. And grief does not have to be one thing after another in a linear set path. It can literally be anything and it can pop up at any time. Like it doesn't have to be planned out and it doesn't really end. But what if we're okay with grief being just a new part of what we experience? Because if we're okay with being a human, we probably need to work on being okay with the half of life that is painful, the half of life that is sad, and the half of life that is frustrating, that we fear. But it's a direct reflection of the joy and the love that we have felt in our life because we know logically that life is 50-50. It's not a 100% happiness guarantee or your money back. And so if if grief can be likened to a pinball machine where at any given moment, anger can pop up and we can be like, yeah, this is grief. I didn't think this would happen today, but it is. This is grief. And we don't fight it. We just allow it because we know that we can handle it. We know that we can live through it. And we know that if we're grieving, we also loved deeply. So thank you all for listening to my podcast over this last year and to this episode today. If you know someone who would enjoy it as well, please share this episode with them in a text message or an email by sharing this direct link. And please like and subscribe and leave a rating and review for me. I would love to hear your thoughts. And I would love to see you in the future. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. If you got something out of today's show, I invite you to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. 
I'd also love to see you in the Teacher Mindset Coach Facebook group so we can nerd out on mindset work as a community of badass teachers. And remember, you can always email me at coachwithwolf, W-O-L-F-E, at gmail.com. Now go be awesome. See you next time.